Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? This week, we're going to take a little bit of a detour, get away from men's sports for a bit. And we are going to talk to Susie Campbell, the head women's tennis coach at the University of Portland, a native of Woodland Hills and a 1984 graduate from Louisville High School. She was a CIF champion in tennis, four-time All-State, two-time collegiate All-American, played professionally in Europe and the United States. She has been the head coach at the University of Portland for the better part of 25 years been the West Coast Conference Coach of the Year multiple times. She is now the West Coast Conference Coach's Chair. Three decades of coaching, recruiting, mentoring college athletes. She is also a parent of three, including a very, very high-level college volleyball player who is a 2024 Olympic hopeful. Uh, We will get into all of that. Uh, Susie, it's been 35 years since we last talked. How are you? Thanks, Tony. It's great to be here. Nice to catch up after all these years. It's it's crazy that I got an email from your brother, Scott, after he listened to one of my podcasts, and he said, oh, you should call Susie. And I thought, why? And then I read the email and looked at your bio and what you've been doing, and I thought, I'm calling her. So here we are. Well, here we are. I appreciate the opportunity uh, to share a little of my experiences for sure. Now, what you were all everything at Louisville, and what was it like back then? Because obviously, things have changed in college recruiting, in college, in high school sports, in everything. But what was it like for you being probably the best one out there? Well, I, I, um, you know, I, I played every sport growing up. Okay, so I was in a large family, uh, seven kids, four brothers. I was uh, that neighborhood tomboy that that did everything Scotty, my brother, did. Um, and, you know, I was never told that that I, I couldn't. I was always told that, of course, you can play everything. And it ended up that that was I had an aptitude for for sport. So I spent my childhood five to 14 playing every sport there was. Um, and, you know, therein lied the um the tool set that i needed to uh you know to go on and and um, accomplish some of the things i have in my life Um, but by the time i got to louisville at 14 tennis was the main sport i was playing um and you know i had a a bunch of friends that i had met um that we all competed against each other at that knights of columbus track meet do you remember that tony Um, i i vaguely remember it because if i ran track i probably would have got lost (laughs) well all these gals that I competed against there, we all came together at Louisville and um, a bunch of athletes playing every different sport, but all of them uh, you know, were on the tennis team. So here we were, um, a group of athletes and good friends that ended up you know, winning the CIF championship and, and not even realizing that was like a big deal. You know? So it, it actually was a great experience at Louisville. And um, yeah, so that set me up for the opportunity to be um, recruited in college. And, and it wasn't a hard sell. It wasn't a big deal. I was recruited by some of the schools like, like Santa Clara and San Diego. And, um, but, you know, I was from a large family. Uh, you know, we were going to be paying for our school, um, our college. And so I needed a full ride wherever I went. 
And Cal State Northridge was an option um, at the time. They were Division Two at the time. And so, you know, I lived at home, had a full ride at, at CSUN um, and worked on the weekend nights and, you know, ended up enjoying my time there and had great success, uh, you know, playing for a, a national championship and then, uh, you know, eventually having some um, Division One opportunities come my way. And what was the recruiting process like for you? I, I know it's changed with, you know, the, the YouTube and Twitter and just the, the massive amounts the, the crazy way it's gone, was was it just kind of like a phone call, come visit the school, and you went and visited and said, okay, I'll come? Well, you know, I did have those weekly phone calls um, from, I remember, Univers University of Pacific would call me every week, um, the coach, you know, and he didn't have a full scholarship to offer me, but he continued, he continued to um, you know, to see if I would find you know, financial aid or another way to, to make sure I would come and play there. And so I was, I, I had that experience um, and, um, and I was sent a lot of, um, you know, pamphlets and, and things about schools, but, you know, USC did, did recruit me um, at the time. But once again, I was going to be, I was, you know, number 15 in, in Southern California. I wasn't the, the top of the top. Um, and so I, um, you know, I was going to have to either walk on or, or, you know, have some financial aid and our family just, we made enough, you know, enough money that I didn't get financial aid, but I needed to figure it out on my own. So, um, so it wasn't, um, it wasn't nearly what it is today. Then it was those phone calls and those conversations and sending stuff through the mail, um, some emails here and there, uh, now a completely different beast. Absolutely. It's everything is done. Um you know, online, a lot of social media, um, a lot of YouTube clips we, we watch, um, a lot of recruiting agencies involved. Um, yeah, so we, um, we, and as you have seen on our roster, we have a lot of international players um, that come to play uh, for us at University of Portland, and which is common in tennis in the United States. Um, collegiate tennis is probably 60-70% um, international players. Is that because maybe the the tennis in the United States is, I don't know, not as good as it is in Europe? Or because for you at a small school or not a major Division One power, those kids are going elsewhere? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I think the high-level Americans are, um, are looking for those schools, like the Pac-12 schools or, um, you know, the Floridas and the Dukes and uh, the Northwesterns and they're looking for schools like that. Um, and, uh, and the international, you know, players, they are trained from a very young age to be professional. Um, there, a lot of them are signed by their, um, their countries and agencies to, to be on the tour and they have a completely different mindset. Also in, in, um, in Europe, they, you know, they're, they're trained as professionals and some of the best athletes there are playing tennis where that's not necessarily the case in the U S so in order for us to compete um, and to be amongst the national nationally ranked players um, and I mean uh, programs, we have got to um, recruit those players that are going to uh, make a big difference for us. And and a lot of times for us, you know, to a mid major, that's going to be an international player who's going to really make the difference for us. And it's obviously worked out well for you. It it, it has, and my assistant, you know, is a is a Serbian um, player who grew up in the just just younger than Djokovic in Serbia, 
So he has um, tremendous resources there to to draw from and knows a lot of people that's that that's in the business of tennis. And so he's able to, um, you know, find some of those players who are hungry, um, you know, to compete and get um, a degree here in the U.S. When you look at the the type of players that you recruit from Europe, and, and I know that there's the debate about the multi-sport athlete out here. I am a big fan of multi-sport athletes. But do you see that the girls that you recruit from Europe are are one sport athletes because they don't have the variety of sports that we do in the United States? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, a lot of them have only played tennis their entire life. Um, and that truthfully is their, um, their ticket out. A lot of them don't have resources. A lot of them are from poor countries. And, um, and so you're, you're right. They have, have not, um, have not had the exposure to other sports, uh, like they do here in the U S. And when you get those girls that come from, you know, Serbia, which, you know, a few years ago, war torn country, um, you, you look at poor kids that come from meager means, do they have a different work ethic or a a better work ethic than, say, some of the more well-off country club type kids in the United States? Yeah, I would. I mean, I have seen that um, there is a level of gratitude um, for all that they're given here. Um, they are mindful of money and, and opportunity. And um, not all Americans are like that, but I would say that. Um, there's um, definitely an appreciation, um, you know, for what it is that the opportunity is that they have. Um, there's no doubt. When you recruit somebody from a, a different country, and, and I'm familiar with, you know, the NCAA, the clearinghouse, the the amount of classes you need, the, the level of GPA, the SAT, what obstacles do you run into recruiting somebody from Europe that they may not take the SAT or, you know, do their classes transfer to the United States? Yeah, it is. It's very tricky. And, it, and you know, they, they finish the school year at a different time. They finish in December. And so, um, you know, getting all of that information sorted out through the compliance uh, department, uh, through the NCAA, it is tricky, and um, but you know, I, I have we have a resource in someone who's been through it, has who has done it, and is able to decipher that. Um, the biggest challenge is making sure their English is good enough. Um, they need to take a TOEFL exam uh, that uh, scores high enough that they'd be a successful college student in the United States, and and that is um, a, that's a, a big obstacle um, to overcome for them. So they have to really work on their English and. Um, you know, college is hard enough as it is, but imagine it as a, you know, um, English as a second language. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, that is. Now, how did you make your way up to the University of Portland from being a Southern California girl? Yeah, well, you know, um, I, I kind of went through the regular um, process that anyone would, but, you know, there was a boy involved at the time, right, that was uh, from college that we were dating, and he was going to work on a master's at Oregon State. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I had my business degree. I, I, I knew I kind of wanted to stay in sports, uh, but I, I ended up going up there as well um, to Corvallis, to Oregon State, um, and working on a, a master's in exercise and sports science. Um, and I worked every job you possibly could. I, I coached high school for a couple of years. I, I ran a tennis club. I um, you know, taught the classes at Oregon State. And then I was given the opportunity 
um, to uh, be a, an assistant pro at the Multnomah Athletic Club in Portland. At the time, um, you know, the job opened at University of Portland at the same time. I was an active player. I got involved with Nike. They sponsored me. And so I was, um, there was a lot of exposure for me when I first got up there. And, um, and then, you know, it seemed like opportunity just came knocking and, and uh, coaching at the University of Portland was, was one of those opportunities. And you take it and it's been great ever since. And I love Multnomah Falls. What a beautiful place that is. Oh, yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely. When you recruit, and, and this is, you know, for because this is the high school sports podcast, when you recruit, what is it that you specifically look for in a student athlete? And how important is the academics in, that in, into the whole thing? Because some schools give both academic and athletic money. Yes, absolutely. It's, um, for us, we are not a fully funded program. So I am looking for Americans that have um, good GPAs, um, say, you know, a 3.5 or above, that is going to get some um, merit-based aid. And then I can couple that with um, athletic scholarship money. And then there you have it. You have a full scholarship. So for me, that needs to stretch for me. Um, we're almost fully funded, but not completely. So um, I have Americans uh, on, um, on my team that, um, you know, combine those to, to make it work for them. So GPA is important in that, um, you know, in that way. Um, but, you know, we're, we're looking for the results. You have to have the results in the rankings. You have to have had the exposure and experience. We're not just looking at potential um, as an athlete. So those, you know, there's, there are rankings and things that we will follow. Um, of course, there's in-person evaluations and, um, you know, we follow your social media. You know, we want to know what kind of person you are. So we are going to look into your Instagram and, your, and uh, not so much Facebook anymore. But we're going to look at, um, you know, some of your social media and see, hey, what kind of kid is this? Um, we're going to spend some time with your family. Um, you know, uh, we're, we just want for our school, you know, we are um, student athlete experience is very important to be to coach to the whole person. Um, so it's not win at all costs at our university. And um, and so we want that that right fit. Um, we want that that athlete that's going to contribute and try to improve and be the best, best, you know, tennis player they can be in their four years. Have you ever seen a recruited a kid thought this young lady is, is a very good player. Then you look at their social media and think, Ooh, uh Oh, Nope. Absolutely. That has happened on, let's just say more than one occasion. Um, so this is an advice, you know, if there's any advice I can give to, you know, you high school, um, you know, athletes out there, um, you know, make sure you clean it up. Um, make sure that, um, you know, you are representing um, yourself and your family, um, you know, the way you'd like to into the world. Um, and, uh, you know, once you get to university, you're representing them as well. So nothing really changes, uh, you know, once you get into, uh, you know, playing for a school. But, you know, we just want to know who you are. And sometimes it's the right fit. Sometimes it's not. Um, you know, all schools are different, but uh, but it's important to to be professional and to, um, you know, to represent yourself well. And we hope like, and, and I teach high school and I am, I am on this all the time with kids in their social media where, you know, the name you have speaks volumes. Don't put anything dumb on there. And, mm -hmm. and the stuff that you tweet and, and the, you know, the Instagram stuff, mm -hmm. 
It's crazy what kids will do and and not and think, oh, I'll just delete it and nobody will see it. Yeah, it's pretty easy to hide behind that, um, but it's out there. Once you put it out there, I remember Oprah saying, if you don't want everyone in the world, you know, to to read something, uh, then then don't write it. You know, um, if you know, it's it's important that whatever you put out there is not yours anymore. So you've allowed, um, you know, the other kids to to take what you say and and um, you know turn it into something that maybe you didn't intend. So it's a, you know, social media is very tricky and it's, you know, you, you have to be disciplined. And and you hope that the kids that, that you recruit are, and we as parents hope that our own kids are, because it, it, it can get you in a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah. What are some of the challenges that you face as a college coach? Because tennis, I, I think I've spoken to a lot of people over the years I think some high school sports are going to go the way of the dinosaur because it real high school doesn't really matter for some sports because it's the club, it's the travel, it's the tournaments. I coach golf and nobody comes out to watch a golf match. You coach tennis. Nobody goes to a high school tennis match. You, you go to tournaments and see a, a more larger amount of kids than you would at a high school match. But what are some of the challenges you face with parents, private coaches, and, and that whole animal? Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, tennis is not um, – you know, high school tennis is not the hotbed for recruiting. I'm not sure. Maybe it's the same with golf. Um, but, you're, you know, your, your national experience, your, your regional experience, you know, um, is, is going to, you know, matter much more, um, you know, as far as results go. Uh, and it's good that you're involved. I think it's always a good thing to to know that even though you're beyond maybe the level of your high school, that you're that you're you're uh, socialized and you're uh, contributing to your school's success. And I think that does say something about a kid, even though it may not be the um, the best use of your time as far as you know where you'd like to go in life. I think um, you know it does say something about yourself that you're um, you're dedicated to your high school's success. Um, yeah, so I have seen all kinds, obviously I've been through the recruiting process with my daughter, my older daughter, my middle daughter, I've been through the audition process, you know, as an actress. And, um, so I have seen a lot. Um, and, you know, I guess what I would say is, you know, having, um, an unrealistic, unrealistic assessment of, of yourself and, um, and possibly having the experience of being overcoached. And um, with the emphasis being results over process, um, I have seen so many tennis players um, that by the time they sign their national letter of intent, they are completely fried and burnt out. So they, and, and that's my biggest fear as, as a coach is that, you know, I get this player who has put everything into the results, uh, of, you know, as a junior, and then... Um, they are so done with the sport, they sign because they've done all the work and then they're not wanting to work in college. You know, they're not wanting to get better. And so um, I have a keen eye for that. Um, and so, you know, to allow your, your, your athletes, your kids to, to really try to, to be um, growth oriented instead of just win at all costs uh, when you're a junior. I think that that's great advice. And what we're going to do right now is we are going to take a break and we're going to pay some of the bills here as uh, we talk about bet online. I'm not a big betting guy, but I know a lot of you may be. Even though there's no major sports going on, 
there's still a lot that you can bet on and have fun by betting at betonline.ag. Even though there are no professional or college sports, there's still a lot going on. Esports, American Idol, Big Brother, the elections, the National Spelling Bee, the $750,000 poker series. There's still fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Susie Campbell joining me on the podcast this week. And we talked about recruiting, and obviously your daughter is a high-level volleyball player. Why didn't she play tennis? Well, she did. I mean, hey, we tried. She she did. She was, um, you know, uh, their dad runs an academy, and so she was part of that academy. She would get up at, you know, 5.30 every morning before school and train three days a week. Um, and, you know, she just by the time she was 11 or she just couldn't stand it. I mean, she could, she, she just wasn't that, um, individual sport athlete. She, um, also played basketball. She played every sport as well. We gave her that opportunity. And, um, you know, when it came down to it, you know, she was a team player. So that was good to get that understanding. Um, tennis was not going to, going to happen. And that's fine with, fine with us. Um, but, uh, you know, she played at high-level basketball. She's 6'3". She's, she jumps high. Um, and, uh, and she got knocked around a lot. Uh, soon fi- finding out that, you know, even though she was um, very good at the sport and played at the highest level and played AAU and was traveling and um, with some of the best players in the country, um, it, was, it wasn't for her. I mean, she, it just wasn't for her. She was unhappy. She was... Um, struggling to even want to go to practice you know it was something that uh, it kind of came to a head her freshman year and she was a varsity you know basketball player um, at a very competitive high school and then you know just just wanted wanted to quit so I had to help her along doing that and she she found volleyball herself and so within um, and only played C, CYO volleyball, um, you know, for a couple of years, seventh and eighth grade. So never really had played it, but also had played every other sport. So she had a huge toolbox of, of skills. And so she, um, she found volleyball. You know, the coach described her as half fish because the whole freshman year she, she ended up in the net. Um, had to, you know, sit, sit on the bench for a whole year understanding the sport and how it was played. Um, didn't even know how to run a play. I mean, that's, that's how little she knew about volleyball. And, um, you know, with, uh, she, she started to play club her uh, end of her sophomore year. So she was a late bloomer, um, got her connected with a, a, a great program, awesome coaching. And, uh, you know, in two and a half years, she's a high school All-American in volleyball. Now, now she's a high school All-American in volleyball. Your daughter is now getting recruited by several colleges. How did you, as a top-level athlete yourself and a Division I college coach yourself, how did you kind of sit back and say, I don't want to interfere too much, but I need to give you advice? Because I'm sure you've seen parents out at tournaments, the, the parents that are the nut jobs that need psychiatric treatment because they think it's the greatest. But how did you juggle your role as a parent by saying, you know, I know what you need to do. I know the questions you need to ask to help her make her decision. 
I mean, I think that's where I had a huge advantage, you know, um, both, uh, her dad and I have been, uh, you know, college coaches for, for, you know, upwards of almost 50 years combined. And so I think there was, um, to have that knowledge base of how the process works, um, you know, how to study different programs and, and look to see what positions will be open, um, on certain teams, how many will be, uh, graduating, um, to, to really be able to determine what, what programs she'd be playing at at that you know stage, she's one of the better ones in the country. Um, so she had some options. Um, and so, you know, it, to, to know that process was, was everything. I, I think as a coach, I, I was able to, without, um, being out front, I was able to help send those clips every now and again, nothing, no big deal. I didn't, you're not going to hire an agency or, or pay money to, um, to market, you know, market her but I knew um you know to send some highlights and to communicate directly with the coach um and so I was able to do that a little bit and then uh she was you know she was I was able to help navigate and guide that process a little bit uh, more than most I think and, and what a great advantage that is now was she open to that because we all know teenagers I've got four children of my own mm-hmm. and the crazy thing is that none of them are teenagers anymore which means I'm really old mm-hmm. but open to the advice that mom had to give her? Well, I mean, I think she respected our experience and she knew that was part of our, what we do. And so, and I was, um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to have these conversations, a lot of conversations recently um, about, you know, how, how did I um, help you uh, get to where you are? And, and um, you know, this pandemic has really, um, you know, provided that time to be able to spend and and both my two um, kids have—I have three, but my middle one as well, who's an actress and um, you know singer—has said, "Mom, these are the things you did for me um, and for us." And the common threads in separate conversations were the same. I was the calm in the chaos. So the chaos of the parenting you're talking about, the chaos in the, in you know, um, you know, in, in a lot of parents and at national tournaments and all of this pressure on kids and. I understood what it meant to prepare a kid um, for um, to competition. I understood what it meant to be calm and and to um, and to be unemotional when it mattered. Um, and so I was able to navigate that because that's my profession. That's what I do on a daily basis. Um, and so um, having those skills, I think, really made a huge difference. Um, and so I never I never communicated. Um, pressure to my kids in the way that some experience it. Um, you know, the, the stakes, they didn't feel like the stakes were high, you know, so it's, it's great to hear that from them, that I um, allowed them to own their sport, to find their passion, which is, you know, singing and, and acting is my, my middle daughter's sport and, um, and help them navigate it, but not do it for them. So once someone, once a kid finds their passion, you know, a parent not living vicariously through their kid, allows them just to support them in the ways um, they need to, to get the skills, to, um, you know, to have it be about personal growth and process, to, um, to show an interest and expose them and play with them and um, to be able to give them the skill set and then to, to give them that idea of rational belief in them. You know, I, I provided that for them. So, um, you know, sometimes you don't know in the end, the proof is in the pudding, you know, did I, well, how did I do as a parent? And, and I would have to say that I, I'm, I feel so grateful to hear those things from my kids, to see that they're, 
excelling at the top level of, of whatever it is they've chosen to do because it's their passion, not mine. And I have just, um, you know, walked alongside them on the journey. And your daughter is, she is at the University of Southern California, and she is a 2024 looking to play on the Olympic team, correct? Yeah, she's been, she's been training with the national team, and, and she graduates this month, and, um, and she'll be, uh, she has signed with an agent to play professionally overseas for a couple of years. Um, so she's just interviewing now to see what country she's going to play for. Um, she has just a lot of energy um, for the sport still. As like I said, a late bloomer, she is far from burnt out, and it um, is very excited about um, about representing the U.S. You know about uh, continuing her journey in volleyball. That's awesome. Now, your your middle child is in the performing arts. How do you juggle the whole you know parent thing? Where because you know you go to auditions and stuff like that, and you see these once again the crazy parents. Just sit back and say, go do what you need to do. I'm here to support you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's it. I mean, um, I think the mentality is that, um, of course, you can do this. Um, whenever they doubt, you know, I'm there to say, of, of course, you have trained for this. You are not comparing yourself to any other person. Um, you know, it's even trickier and it's not like result oriented. You don't have wins and losses, you know, in, in acting. And so you don't know what uh, what they're looking for. But all you can do is stay process oriented and, and have them do their thing. So provide the training, provide the best, the, the best people in their life that you possibly can, and then, and then let them do it. And um, so that's what happened. She, was, she ended up, you know, we auditioned and went you know, to, Europe, to New York twice. We've been to L.A. twice. And she, she ended up, you know, um, auditioning and, and finding that she was deciding between the two, top, two of the top schools in the country in, in acting. And, NYU and in USC. And in the end, who knew we were a, a Trojan family through and through. She chose um, to study acting and film at, uh, at USC. And, and what she tells me is that, you know, I was, um, I was, I was there to support her and to have that rational belief in her with all the opportunities to back it. And that, um, you know, that it was about her in the process. It was not about me. And, um, you know, I've had some training in that area as a coach. Yeah, and then you just let them make their own decisions. And now number three child is a multi-sport athlete as well, correct? Yes, my son is, uh, he, um, you know, has, has a lot of um, athletic skill. And, you know, he, he does spend, and we talk about what does it take to be great at something. They have done their reps. They have, it's the 10,000 hour deal. You know, their dad spends, you know, countless hours with them, um, you know, playing and, um, and doing reps and shooting and hit, and hitting baseballs and, um, and so, um, you know, that, that is in place, the, the skill work is in place and, uh, yeah, so he, he plays, um, a lot of baseball and he isn't playing some club baseball and, uh, and basketball, a lot of CYO stuff. And, um, and so it's great to see, I mean, it, we're still in process there. Right. And so he's kind of half baked and we'll see how it ends up, but, um, just to, to really instill the same, um, system and um, the same process for, for all of them. And whatever is their passion is that they choose. Um, you know, some, those elements are helpful that are in place. So it's, it's kind of like for you with, with two kids that are in athletics and one that's in, into the arts, you're kind of like driving the car <laughs> and, and letting them say, turn here, mom, or turn there. Uh, you know what? Absolutely. It's the easiest thing you can possibly do as a parent to 
um, to let them find it for themselves, whatever it is, and then become interested and, and learn about it and learn about who's good at it and ask questions and ask the best people you know. And um, it's not about being the best technician. It's about being the best people. Surrounding your kids, if there's something I've done well as a parent that I know for sure, and that is surrounding them with um, amazing mentors and people in their life. And, um, and then allowing it, the process to just happen. And the crazy thing is, is that, you know, our kids, they don't want to listen to us, but if somebody else tells them the same exact thing, it's gospel from that other person. And they'll look at us like we've got three heads. Well, I think that's just the process of growing up. But I do think that if it's something that like, if they're going to come and maybe they have a broadcasting class or they have something that you, they know you do well, Tony, they're going to they come to you and, 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 you know, really respect that. I think it's important that a parent um, not coach unsolicited. You know, I, I think it's really important that you wait for them to, to, um, to ask you their advice, uh, your, you know, your advice and, and to, um, to let them sort some things out on their own, um, to develop that agency and to trust themselves that they can, um, they have the skills they need and that they can, it's okay to not know sometimes. And for them to be able to find out on their own is, is, is something that sticks with them for life. So, uh, that overcoaching piece, um, it goes back to that, you know, allowing them to space, to own it themselves and to, and to journey through it and just be that little rudder behind them that, you know, steers one way or the other. Um, you know, you, as a family, of course, you're going to instill those values and those standards and, doing well in school and all the things that matter being a family. Um, but as far as the thing itself, you know, it's, um, you know, it's important that you're not judging, um, or, or in charge of it. I think you allow other people, like you say, to be in charge of it and, um, their ears are wide open. Uh, my middle daughter, uh, Kenzie, she, she said something profound to me. Um, she said, mom, it's, it's important that, that you never, you know, made me choose whether I was going to be good at something or I was going to be happy. And I think that's really important, um, you know, for parents to, to know and to know that it, that shouldn't be a choice. You know, kids, kids should be able to enjoy what they're doing and um, not suffer um, so much just for greatness. And kind of find their own passion. And I'm sure that those car rides home from volleyball tournaments or auditions or whatever it was, you were probably, I'm just guessing, you were probably quiet and you didn't want to say anything. Say after your daughter may not have had the greatest volleyball tournament, where you just kind of let her talk instead of saying, hey, you know, I noticed this or I noticed that, you know, you you could have done better. Well, let me tell you, a family of nine, growing up, and as like you said, you grew up in a big family too. We, dinner table discussion was never about us and our um, the things that we were successful or not successful at. It wasn't about us, you know, in our family, that's not something we did. And likewise, I think, um, it's important. There are some, there are some things that my kids reminded me of, um, you know, the things that I avoided. And that's one of them having uh, dinner table, uh, result discussions, um, on the way home, you know, it's, it's all about effort. You know, it's all about, Hey, you know, you did great. You did your best. That's all you can do. And, and, and sometimes I say nothing, like you said, um, whether it's a performance or, uh, or a game or in, whatever it is, I, um, you, you have to be disciplined really yourself, even though you may have opinion, 
you know, um, to keep those to yourself, especially regarding referees or officiating um, or coaching decisions. I, I really encourage um, parents to, to stay clear of any of that discussion with your kid. You know, it just cr creates drama. It creates maybe I'm not good enough, those feelings, um, you know, just to make sure that, you know, you, you really emphasizing um, their efforts and that, hey, let's go get some ice cream. Uh, you know, let's move on with our life. And I, I think that's probably one of the most important things that we can do is hold our children accountable for their performance. And, and I told this to my kids and, and not that they were, you know, national recruits or anything like that. Hey, you go out and do your best. I'm fine with it. And if you look yourself in the mirror and think I did everything I could to help my team win or to do the best I can, you got nobody to answer to. You, you've done fine. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the truth is, Tony, that there's it, there's only there's no winning and losing. It's always winning and learning. There, we learn so they weren't learn so much from from defeats. And so there isn't it's not there's no downside being out there and competing and challenging yourself and learning things about yourself. And um, that's really what this whole like development process is in sport. It's, um, you know, the short side is, is the result. And how do you deal with adversity? How do you deal with when you have a bad tournament? How do you deal with when you have a bad game? And how did you deal with that with your own children and, and your own players as well? Once again, I mean, I, I talk about this, you know, weekly and if, um, you know, I have a saying with my team and, and that's what really my, my um, LLC is. It's, it's aced coaching. Now I didn't come up with that, but, um, aced is, you know, A C E D measure yourself after everything you do on a scale of one to 10, um, on your ACE score. And that's attitude, composure, effort, and decision-making. Um, and if you can, on a scale of one to 10, ask yourself, you know, how did I do there? Um, it's all about self-reflection and how it is that, you know, did, did I give my best? Did I, did I stay focused? Did I give my best effort? Um, how was my attitude out there? You know, how was my um, composure? How did I hold my shoulders back or what did, did I slump? You know, um, uh, did I make the right decisions at the right time? Um, you know, all of those things um, are the learning piece for any athlete to go through. And it's only them that really know. We can, we can project on them what it is that we think happened but they know what happened inside. So for my college athletes, I mean, after every uh, match we play, you know, they, they send me their ACE score and, um, and we're able to, that's a jumping off point for us to talk about, you know, where, where are the areas that we need to control um, and improve? Because the, everything that I just talked about, we have control of, you know, we don't have control of our opponent or what they do or what they say or what they look like. Um, but we can certainly control the things that we can on our side of the net. Um, and that goes for anything that you do in life. And, and I agree with you 100% that I cannot control anybody else. All I can do is is, is me. I am, I am in complete control of me. And if I do the best I can, that's really all I can ask. And sometimes physically, the uh, my opponent is better than me. And I have to admit that. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean... You give your best, to, it, it doesn't necessarily end in the result. And sometimes you can play the best you've ever played and still lose. Um, yeah, and, and that's you know, that's what I tell my wife all the time. Honey, you did the best you, you could, and you look, look, look at me. I, you ended up with me. <laughs> oh, the saint she is. 
Oh, she is definitely a safe. This has absolutely been fantastic. The last thing I want to do is I want to surprise you. I want to ask you five questions that whatever comes to your mind, just answer. Oh, hot feet. I like it. The best athlete in your family, because I know Scott was a baseball player. Greg was a basketball player. I don't think your sister Patty played anything, and I don't know anything about your older siblings. Yes. Um, but the best athlete in the whole family. Yeah. Scotty and I would rival, but I would, I would have to give it to, my, to Scotty. And he played in Oklahoma and got drafted by the Expos, who still have one of my favorite baseball logos of all time. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the best go-to dinner for your family. Oh, we love Thai food. Okay, your favorite tennis player growing up. Mm, uh, Steffi Graf. Best advice anybody ever gave you. Is a good one. So many, um, man, just love yourself. And the thing you remember most about October of 1981. <laughs> October of 1981. Okay. You're killing me. Uh, we may or may not have gone to a homecoming dance, Tony Moskal. We might most certainly did Susie Campbell. <laughs> Good times. Oh, it was. You know, it has been absolutely fantastic catching up with you. And I caught up with your sister, Patty, the other day. It was awesome. Um, you know, it, it's great. I, it's fantastic what you are doing. I I think it's great. Good luck to your daughter in the future. I, You know, when we watch the Olympics, it's who can we root for? And I cannot wait to see your daughter hopefully make the Olympic team in 24. Hey, you and me both. Uh, you know, she's she's worked hard, so I hope her dreams come true. Uh, me too. And Susie, thank you so much for taking the time to join me here on the podcast. It, it, it has been wonderful. And if I'm ever up in Portland, you bet I'm going to look you up. And if you're ever down here in Southern California, give me a shout and I'll go to wherever you're playing tennis. Sounds awesome. Thanks so much, Tony. It's been a pleasure. All right. Say hi to everybody for me. If you like the podcast, please don't be shy about hitting the subscribe button. Uh, these are difficult times we're all going through with the coronavirus and everything. Please, everybody stay safe. Uh, maintain your social distancing. And until next time, have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.